Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network, hosted by Blake Murphy 7 and Johnny Venerable. All about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello and welcome into the Revenge of the Birds podcast. This is Blake Murphy on Twitter at Blake Murphy 7 and uh, we're here to talk some Arizona Cardinals football. I'm joined with Johnny Venerable, my co-host. Uh, we're here to talk about a couple of things. We've got a new addition to the Arizona Cardinals adding to the corner room. We also have at least a uh, couple other topics to go over. But first, John, uh, how at least is your time in Arizona? Oh, I love it. Give it to me. No, uh, in all seriousness, it's good to be back. Took a little bit of a two to three week hiatus. Gave some folks off some time in May. Blake and I are excited to be back. We've got goodness training camp right around the corner. And and as you mentioned, Blake, we've got uh, a signing to discuss. We've got some rumors to discuss. But, you know, the Cardinals, to me, it's just it's funny you know they just go about their business there's not too much noise within the national media especially when you consider what's going on in green bay and some other places and i I really do feel like this is going to be the most talented team since the super bowl run of 2015 or should i say the nfc title game run but at the same time they're picked to finish third or fourth on every platform that i see so you know hopefully that that enthralls them and motivates them but it's just it's been a kind of a weird off season the off season, at least, has also been kind of you're coming out of this COVID area in the league that we've seen earlier. Likewise, we've seen a very similar aspect of the Cardinals players getting back to normal. We've had a normal rookie camp from it. Uh, we've had a normal mini camp. We've had normal OTAs. All of this was missing last year when it came to the likes of Isaiah Simmons as well as second year quarterback Kyler Murray. Let's go ahead and transition to talking about the latest news. The Arizona Cardinals have signed the former Bengal Darquez Denard, former first-round pick by the Bengals, spent time under Vance Joseph. John, this is a signing that a lot of can't. A lot of Cardinals fans, I think, were expecting either this or something similar. The time frame is something we talked about off the air. It's a post-June 1st signing. Uh, That usually has to do with the guarantees. And uh, this is one of the moves that you expect that Arizona could make. Uh, It's a guy who knows Vance's system, obviously. But what really is curious about this move is we found um, the fact that the Cardinals were signing Darquez Denard 
they were not cutting. Uh, who was the other one? Oh, um, Devon Kennard. Devon Kennard, yep. Devon Kennard, yes. Absolutely. So you've got Darquez Denard and you've got Devon Kennard. A lot of fans have been expecting the fact that Devon Kennard to be cut. We did learn this week that there are guarantees in Kennard's contract that is part of the reason why he's still on the roster. They'll be relying on him this year. Uh, it's unlikely that Arizona will be able to get off it. So that was some news that we picked up this week that explained a lot. Um, it also explains part of why the Cardinals didn't go after higher-priced corners, why there weren't a lot of larger signings. Um, and really, it, I think, we're John, we're at the point where there aren't going to be any more big signings that we're going to see at this point. Uh, this is who the Arizona Cardinals are probably going to be, at least up until training camp. There's possibility that there's some sort of move made at tight end. Um, but at the corner group right now, it's like you've got Byron Murphy is obviously number two. But Denard is going to be a guy who backs up the likes of Robert Alford. And uh, it's different from when they signed Drake Kirkpatrick later in the season, signing him clearly before we've even gotten to training camp. Uh, what are your thoughts about this, John, with a fourth corner that's added to the room ahead of both of those day three picks in Marco Wilson and Trey Gowan? Yeah, I think it's Gowan. something that we've telegraphed for weeks. Uh, I thought they'd sign two corners in March ahead of the draft or right before in April. They opted to wait. They added two corners, like you mentioned, but both on day three. Uh, historically, day three players, I mean, fair or not, you can't really rely on them, especially year one. They're not realistic options to come in. Now, Marco Wilson, they did trade up for, and he was a semi-high fourth-round pick, but again, uh, this team needed additional depth at corner, especially when you consider they let Drake Kirkpatrick walk, certainly doesn't feel like he's going to be back in the fold barring something unforeseen of course Patrick Peterson moved on in Minnesota after the team opted not to bring him back so it's a reshaped group a couple notes on Denard so again somebody that I was rooting for them to sign just based on his ball skills is Brashad Breland who just signed today as we're recording with the Minnesota Vikings it did some digging they have almost he and Denard have almost the same uh, pro football focus grade from a year ago, 66. They're both 29 years old. They're both right around 5'11". Uh, the difference is Breland, um, who I would venture to say because he had multiple offers, especially one to return to Kansas City, um, got a little bit more guaranteed money. I would expect the Denard contract to, to come in close to the veteran minimum. Uh, his market did not come to fruition uh, in March. He only played uh, 17 total games of um, total in the past two seasons alone. He played eight last year for Atlanta uh, and nine for Cincinnati. Uh, so he and Alford are, are very much kind of the same player at this point, and we're just going to see who can stay healthy. Now, given what the Cardinals are, are paying or, I guess, aren't paying to both individuals, I think ideally you'd like to see both make the team and give you some quality depth, kind of like the Cardinals tried to do last year with Drake Kirkpatrick and then claiming Prince of Mucamara and stashing him away on the practice squad, uh, not ever bringing him up. I, I would imagine that, again, these are short-term Band-Aids. Malcolm Butler was their big ticket free agent corner signing, multi-year deal. And then I think kind of the understudied story to this whole thing, if you can read between the lines and look at the tea leaves here, is Denard when he plays, and he plays well, is typically a slot corner. He's not an outside corner, even with his decent size at 5'11". That would signal to me 
that Byron Murphy is going to see increased time outside of the slot this year. If you've been following him on Twitter or Instagram on his social media platforms, he's in tremendous physical condition. It looks like he put on a, a huge amount of strength and muscle over just the last couple months alone. That would tell me, if I'm reading that, that he's going to play a more physical role outside against 1A number two receivers opposite uh, Malcolm Butler. That's certainly what I would hope for as the former 33rd overall pick in 2019. But again, th- this is a solid signing. I-, I wouldn't rule out, again, another potential corner maybe being claimed after cuts this fall, just like we saw with Drake or Patrick. Um, that that situation is fluid. Blake, I think you and I are both on the same page. We never bought into the hype of, around trading for somebody like Stephon Gilmore Darius Slay's name has been rumored out there because there's a new head coach uh, in Philadelphia. We didn't buy that. This is a team the Cardinals have limited resources this year. They traded two picks away. And then next year, after trading up for Marco Wilson, in a perfect situation, Wilson is at least in the rotation next year. But I, I think that I think the corner room is pretty much intact right now, barring, like you mentioned, something unforeseen. I think, to your point, the defense is intact. My only other potential addition for this team would be on the offensive side specifically at tight end but no I like the signing I think it's what they needed to do he's not he's not gonna as as far as the player goes he's not gonna intercept a lot of passes he's never had any more than two picks in a season he's steady he'll deflect you know if he's healthy five to six passes and if he can be a rotational guy and nickel guy you'll be fine and don't don't forget Buda Baker's got you know positional flexibility there they do not have a number one corner but they've got what is in the making of a bunch of twos and threes and maybe some fours and that that's fine that's enough to win in the NFL as long as their pass rush is is what it's been in the past right and that I think is what you're saying John is the Cardinals don't need to have this elite level corner group if you're expecting this pass rush that we saw last year was able to flex in and out with being able to have guys lined up in the A-gaps, you're still hoping that you'll be able to cover a bit better as far as linebackers go by adding Zayvon Collins, by having Isaiah Simmons play full-time. That is what you're hoping, at least, is that you're not going to have to have this elite corner group. You just want to make sure that injuries aren't taking the Cardinals away where you have to then be forced to see Tay Gowan and Marco Wilson be starting because we all saw how Byron Murphy did as a rookie. He just got burned each and every single week. He's evolved since then and developed to become their number two corner now. Uh, Let's shift and talk a little bit about with um, some of the news that they talked about with Julio Jones uh, of the Atlanta Falcons being potentially available for trade. Uh, This is a spot where Julio, essentially he wants to get either guaranteed money or Falcons wanted to move on, get some cap room. It seems like this is becoming a lot more common now. We saw it first with, you know, quarterbacks being one guys who try to push themselves to different teams. Now it seems like it's wide receivers returning to some of this too, this anti-Larry Fitz type of um, old school. Who's the guy? The guy um, wasn't Des Bryant. It was a Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens is one of those guys who would just be this diva, play all this different type of uh, behavior. Uh, part of it, of course, is being driven by the fact that it's – all it's having to do with the guarantees and a contract. Uh, there's players, at least, who they run out of guaranteed money. That means the team can cut them at any time if they get hurt. So players always try to ask for these extensions, get more of this guaranteed money up front. And uh, we've kind of seen, at least, with some of these teams of not wanting to 
make these type of deals as far as give up the cost of a second plus. Uh, we probably wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't for DeAndre Hopkins himself seemingly petitioning for uh, Julio Jones to join the Arizona Cardinals, posting pictures of them on their Instagram, one along with him and A.J. Green uh, with Julio Jones at a Pro Bowl. Uh, and we heard from DeAndre Hopkins. He said that he'd be willing to restructure. Now, restructuring and pay cuts are obviously different. We've talked about that before. Uh, players at least will be happy to fit guys in. They get more guaranteed money up front and be able to add that level of talent if you're a competing team. We also are looking at this as a possibility, at least partially just because of the likes of J.J. Watt actually like being recruited by DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals. Is this something that we can see as realistic that Steve Kime is going to do or, or not? Yeah, so if you would have asked me this maybe two, three months ago, I would have said that's just lunacy, especially after they signed A.J. Green. They invested another second-round pick in a wide receiver, this time Rondell Moore, who's going to have a significant role, I think, this year. Uh, I wrote an article about this maybe like 10 days ago on revengeofthebirds.com just as things were starting to pick up with Hopkins dropping some hints on social media. Uh, listen, Peter Schrager came out and said that that he thinks the Cardinals and, and Rams, based on their history and where they're at coming into this season, are in the mix. To, to whatever extent, he doesn't know. He doesn't consider them the favorite. But he, he pegs them as, as a teams to watch. Now, they're no longer, I think, as of this morning, in the top five to seven favorites to land him. Uh, if you're interested in some other odds, they're, I think, fourth right now to land Zach Ertz, according to Vegas. But what I will say, and hang on, I'm getting a text message here right now. And um, no, no, nothing important. I thought breaking news. No, nothing, nothing important. Okay, so <laughs> back to my original point. I think that the only scenario in which it would work for the Cardinals is if, in my opinion, you're doing it to block a team like Seattle or the Rams. Or San Francisco, to me, is not a threat because they have such limited cap space. They have to extend Fred Warner, and they have no picks to begin with. Um, and they'd have to part with players. I don't. And they invested uh, a first-round pick on a wideout last year and a second the year before in Debo. Uh, San Francisco, to me, everything that I've read, they're not an option. If if you're trying to block Seattle or the Rams from potentially becoming more of a presence in the division, I get that. You're trying to save jobs this year. This is this would be a job-saving move. Somebody asked me um, a couple weeks ago, would I do it? I mean, at this point, they're the only team in the NFC West that doesn't have a first-round pick next year. If you're asking me, do, do, would I give up my first next year for Julio Jones? Yeah, I think I would. Um, just because, listen, at the end of the day, th this is a franchise that desperately is in need of relevancy. It needs juice. It needs it needs players in-house that have won on the, on the biggest stage before. Julio's been to a Super Bowl. He's going to the Hall of Fame. I think he's still got a lot of good football left. Now, I don't think it's going to happen. I wouldn't put the percentage on it happening at zero. But what I, what I do think is, especially after, like, the Hopkins deal, the Watt deal, some of these other maneuvers, you know, you and I really only telegraph that Rodney Hudson d disparency because it was so evident after they, they missed out on Corey Lindsley that they were going to pivot. We got tipped off that they were going to go after Rodney Hudson. But for the most part, I mean, Steve does it typically, Steve Kime, keeping things under wraps. I, I just think that they're they're in aggressive let's let's put all of our chips in the middle of the table mode so whether it's this whether it's something like Zach Ertz, which I think still makes you could argue that makes more sense given what they have and and what they don't have at receiver and, and, and tight end respectively maybe the cost that you'd have to give up 
every time I, I don't want to get into this is a, um, a Dan Arnold conversation, but every time I watch all 22 of games from last year on critical third downs, I mean, the Cardinals went to the seam route from the tight end to pick up first downs. That was Kyler Murray's kind of security blanket. And they don't have a receiving tight end on the roster now. And they're going to be implementing two new receivers in A.J. Green and Rondell Moore, which I, I do think will come to fruition at some point but you can't I don't know how how realistic it is to count on those individuals like week one right away and I I don't think that this team is in a position to trot out Max Williams as their number one tight end so I I would venture to say of course Julio Jones is a better player today than than Zach Ertz that's without question and probably makes the bigger impact but if you're talking to me about what's the smarter decision if you can get Zach Ertz for Jordan Hicks and a future fourth or even a future third and bring him into the fold and you're going to get maybe six seven hundred yards from a tight end position I, I almost think that's a that's the better investment especially when you consider the cap hit future financial you know res, uh, restrictions that would come with Jones again I'd be all for acquiring him because I think it's it's the win now mantra that they're hitching their wagon to and I I also Blake would venture to say they probably also want to have their first or second round pick in-house for the trading deadline for next year because I I do think there'll be players if they're in that fringe you know, eight and eight range or eight and nine range, and it's the trading deadline. Kimes made a trade with Kenyon Drake two years ago. He'll make trades at the deadline. We've seen that, and I think they could be players for an impact uh, player. Marcus yeah. Golden, great example. Marcus Golden, I forgot about that. So I, I, I don't think trade away a sixth round pick, bring him in before yep, the trade deadline. Perfect, perfect example. I, I think that they're they're constantly tweaking the roster. But would I would I like to see the move? Absolutely. Do I think it's going to happen? No. Um, but I, I also think that you, under no circumstances, can allow teams that you're directly competing with in the MC West to acquire him, and you would have to block it. And they would accept a first from the Cardinals. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, one of the teams that's been rumored is the Seattle Seahawks in the NFC West division, as well as the Rams. Um, yeah, another team that's been mentioned is the Titans. That's the one that I think is the favorite. But really, all of these are favorites. And for us in the division, the NFC West, gosh, it's just... It feels like with the NFC West, is just they get all of the good players. Uh, there's people, at least, who are saying that uh, they reported that the Falcons would be looking at a second-round pick and maybe a future pick or a player. Um, if you're the Cardinals, you probably aren't looking at Rondale Moore or Andy Isabella. Maybe you're looking at Christian Kirk on a expiring deal. And that goes to factor in, John, a 2022 first-round pick and a 2022 second-round pick is going to be worth more than a pick this year just because there's a bigger talent pool. Uh, The other factor that has me thinking the Cardinals will not make a move like this is the contract. Uh, Julio Jones has a $23 million cap hit with at least like some – I think it's like, what is it, $50 million dead cap, just from what over the cap says, $64 million dead cap if they cut him. So one reason why the Falcons would be looking to move on is because if there's, you know, concerns at least that they'd have about trying to retool, being able to have to pay some of their other guys, get some of the other things back in around while they've got Matt Ryan on this deal. You know, they, they didn't end up taking a quarterback in the draft, passed on Justin Fields, Trey Lance went one pick before. So you're talking then at least about – you know, uh, I think what is it, a $17 million dead cap, maybe up to even to a $20 million dead cap. So if Julio doesn't work out, you're talking about essentially taking on that huge, huge deal. Now, 
there's, of course, the fact you're getting Julio Jones, so you can move money around theoretically, but I'd just like to say, if the Falcons are saying that we're willing to take on a second for Julio Jones, and this is for Julio, who still probably has something in the tank at 32, I think that it's similar to the Jared Goff contract, where people are seeing the contract that's there as a negative. It's a detractor in the deal. That's why it's, you know, that and the age is why he's not going for a first. So I think that we're looking at this at the case of where you're probably going to have to then, like, in the future, you're going to be shredding cap. You'll lose a couple guys that you'd love to keep in the future. Uh, but again, you'd be trying to go all in for a championship. Whoever trades for Julio is going to try to go all in if that's the Cardinals. Then it comes down to does the end justify the means? You know, it'd, it'd be a disaster if the Cardinals made a move. Say that they ended up giving up a late first to beat off a team like Seattle, and they end up, you know, not even making the playoffs due to another injury. That's the concern, John, because. Uh, you know, the thing that I would look at as potentially I've talked about is if the Seahawks did get Julio Jones, does Arizona have a corner on the roster who could stop, uh, you know, Julio Jones? Well, probably not. <laughs> like, so maybe if you are a Cardinals team that starts off doing well, say they get off to like, you know, a five and two start and you'd be looking at a corner to add to stop one of those players rather than, you know, just saying, hey, we're just going to run 10 personnel, throw the ball all over the place at least, and win a title because you need to have a balanced team in order to do that. And um, I think also when you're looking at the long-term health of the team, uh, one of the things that was brought up at least was maybe it's not exactly Julio Jones the Cardinals will be trading for. Uh, Jason Lockenfora suggested a different Jones, except it would be the Cardinals selling. He suggested that the Cardinals could trade Chandler Jones. He pointed out that Chandler has not been showing up thus far to the likes of OTAs or minicamp. Uh, Lockenfora at least. You know, there's times where some people say he makes stuff up. Some people say that there's sources that are there. I usually tend not to buy his. I think usually the gold standard is Schefter. But uh, let's go ahead and roll and let's say that this is, you know, something to consider. Chandler is 32. He's in the last year of his contract. And he's coming off of a season where he was injured, season-ending injury. And he had only one sack in the first four games. And it wasn't like they were playing all-world O-lines last year. Now... It doesn't make too much sense to me because this is the Cardinals team that went out and spent money on J.J. Watt. They went out and brought back Marcus Golden. I think that this is a team that wants to bring back Chandler Jones for this season. And if he does do well, I think they would want to pay him. Now, let's say, though, that something that goes a little wonky where Chandler's maybe not happy, hasn't gotten a new deal. And a team like the Chargers wants to go all in. They say, hey, we want to pair someone with... Uh, you know, Joey Bosa to be able to go all in with Justin Herbert this year. Hey, we'll give you a first-round pick for Chandler Jones next year. Well, that then sets it up of thinking that you could, you know, take that first-round pick, add it to your first-round pick next year, trade up or take another pass rusher, get that guy on a rookie deal to replace him. But really, I think that the biggest key right now is that this is essentially where Chandler Jones and the Cardinals are playing a game of chicken back and forth. Chandler wants to get paid now. The Cardinals want to just see him get it done first. And that's part of why I just don't think it makes a lot of sense for the Cardinals. What are you thinking about Chandler Jones, the trade suggestions? It's brought up because it's, it's, with all due respect, it's, it's Jason Lockenfora. And if you read the article, it's speculation. It's him trying to connect the dots. Listen. You and I have known, I mean, Chandler's upset. He wants more guaranteed money. He wants a longer contract from the Cardinals. Of course. Took down all of his social media. I've gotten how many DMs over the past week did you see Chandler Jones erased all of his Cardinal paraphernalia from his Instagram? 
awesome. You know what's going to happen? He's going to play with the team this year, and if he plays well, he's either going to get franchise, which is a, a boatload. It might be $20 million franchise guaranteed money that he's going to get in 2022, and if he doesn't play well, or he could get extended, or if he doesn't play well, the team's going to have options and opt to maybe move on from him because, oh, by the way, he's going to be 32 years old. This is not. This is where the NFL differs from other leagues, specifically the NBA and Major League Baseball. Is typically you do not pay stars for what they've done in the past. It's the not for long league for a reason. And I love Chandler Jones, and he's a Ring of Honor candidate for sure. And it, it's it's terrible that so much of his great production has been spent on bad teams. But he missed all of last year. He's coming back. He's got the highest cap hit I think on the team this year, and. We don't know what we're going to get from him. He was just kind of average the first four weeks of the season before he went down in that Jets game. I think the Cardinals wisely are waiting to see, and you know Kimes a stickler now, to what we're going to get from Chandler Jones. And hopefully that's a very motivated individual. Listen, I, it would probably be in the Cardinals' best interest to wait and not give him an extension so we can make sure his legs aren't gone. I mean, guys fall off a cliff fast in this league. Now, I do think his game's going to age well. But listen, they're not trading him. Everybody's jobs are on the line. They're trying to win this year. They didn't re-sign Hassan Reddick for pennies on the dollar, $8 million from Carolina. They didn't draft uh, a first or second round outside linebacker when they could have had Quiddy Pay among other individuals. They didn't sign any other pass rushers in free agency. You know, Devon Kennard's only back because, you know, and over the cap and guys like me got this wrong. His, his money's guaranteed for this year, but I guarantee you they would have moved off of him. The production's not there. Marcus Golden's making no money. The, that, that position, unlike Atlanta, who has a borderline elite all-pro receiver in Calvin Ridley in the house that, they, that they've um, groomed over time, they just took a, a tight end, an impact generational unicorn tight end, fourth overall. They've got legitimate passing options for Matt Ryan. The Cardinals have a bunch of meh, and I love Marcus Golden, but he's not a franchise edge rusher. He's not an elite edge rusher after Chandler Jones. So you're getting rid of Chandler Jones at this point in the offseason. It makes no sense. I mean, I guess he could hold out, but he's not giving up $20 million. My guess is he's going to play with his hair on fire this year. He's going to play really well. They can try to work out a short extension, or they're going to franchise him. Otherwise, I think that this could be for his last season, and th- and that's okay. He's, he's given the team so much. It's been one of the greatest, if not the greatest, trades in the history of the franchise, securing him for a second, um, and and Jonathan Cooper from New- from New England 2016. But again, he's not going anywhere. They traded him now. Kimes not spending that pick. He could, he could be fired at the end of the year. And also, I don't think the Cardinals would get a first-round pick for Chandler Jones, who's number one expensive, number two on an expiring contract, which which Lock and Four mentions that the team would have to re-sign him. And he's 31 years old, and he's coming off a major injury. Nobody's giving up. His value is an all-time low. Why would you sell on him now? The Cardinals are doing the right thing. They're going to wait. And if he explodes this year and has a monster year and plays all 16 games, give him a nice extension that puts it into the next two or three years of of guaranteed money or franchise him, which is still allowed. And, and make him do it again next year. So, I mean, it's a young man's game. That they, they, I think this does signal they absolutely need to address pass rusher and, of course, corner next offseason. But they're fine this year. He's, he's going to play, and I think he's going to play really well. John, as we wrap up today, um, I think that one of the things that the Cardinals, when they made a mistake in the past with Steve Keim, if they had looked at extending him in 2019, it's a different situation. It would have been a price to pay, but with the rookie quarterback contract you had, 
we're talking about you could have kept Chandler through 2019, 2021, and had that option then for him to be a part of your team in the 22 and 23 seasons. Now, of course, he would have been 33 and 34 uh, years of age. And the Cardinals in the past, you know, they didn't pay Calais Campbell when he turned 30, and he went on to thrive. Now, granted, he moved from a 3-4 to a 4-3 system, which we didn't get to see what Calais got to do with the Jags because he was in the 3-4 Todd Bowles-Bruce Arians defense. Um, so I think that this may be, at least, though, the, the last year of Chandler Jones, and that'd be sad because he is the last of the core four, the uh, Patrick Peterson, Larry Fitzgerald, of course, David Johnson, and, of course, Chandler Jones, those guys who were coming into the 2018 season who were those four franchise players. And when you're talking about pass rusher and the importance it is, uh, Chandler, you know, he doesn't like playing on that tag. No player really wants to play on that tag. I think if you want to paint out the best case scenario for the Cardinals and a, a realistic case for the Cardinals to kind of put a lot of worries from fans at rest, you look at him during the midseason and you give him an option that goes to 2022-2023. Again, midseason extension. You know, he seems like he's back to form, looks good. Uh, kind of like what Ronnie Stanley had. You know, the Ravens didn't pay him at least. He's kind of approaching near the end of that. They end up paying him in the middle of the season. Um, similar to Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer was also signed to an extension in 2014. Um, and, of course, the thing with both of those guys is they both got hurt. And we saw with Steve Kime, he did not really seem to want to pay Chandler, I think, in part because he's paid Tyron Matthew, and he didn't do as much as far as the, what the level they paid him for after coming off of his injury-riddled season. Uh, paid him in 2015, didn't do as much, and Kime's going to do what's – best for Steve Kime and for the organization at large. Chandler wants to do what's best for Chandler. That is okay, I think at least, for fans to be able to accept all of that. Um, and I think that's something at least that we're hopefully going to end up seeing a resolution some point during the season that ends happily, but it's not always the way it is in football. Uh, let's go ahead and then shift. Speaking of players wanting to leave, kind of a down note to end today, but let's talk a little bit about uh, just the rumors that people have had or questions brought up by Pro Football Talk, at least about Kyler Murray not working out with the Cardinals. He's working out in Dallas. Um, he's since shown up, obviously, of course, for OTAs. But it's one of those things where I feel like the Kyler right now is being viewed by national media as a new Larry Fitzgerald. He's on this franchise in the desert. They've never been winners. I think people in media are just saying, hey, just get him out of there. Get him to a winning team and a franchise. Those people in the desert are losers. Get him to a big market franchise. It's the same thing with Fitz. And I don't know for sure if it's going to be the same as Fitz, but it does feel like that he's being treated the same. Yeah, I, I just I think this is all just off season fodder. Just to, to, the news cycle is is slow at the moment. I think Kyler Murray is desperate to be a playoff quarterback, to be synonymous with winning again because he was for for so much of his life before he entered this franchise. And with Larry, I just think that again, similar to Chandler, but I know on a greater extent because it's Larry. It just it represents the old Cardinals, and you want to be respectful of that, but at the same time, Larry's 38 years old. The The team just needs to break out of its stigma of, well, we have to romanticize the past and not be afraid to move forward with this young nucleus of, of, of players that you could have renewed success with. So, again, I am 
I'm very committed in my thought process that I think Kyler Murray will put heat on the organization if they miss the postseason this year. What that looks like, I don't know. I don't want to speculate, but I do think I think he's going to be, if, if Cliff Kingsbury is jet-setted out, I think Kyler will be in on those head coaching interviews, or at the very least, his input's going to be very um, appreciated by somebody like Michael Bidwell and welcomed. Um, and I... You know, I don't think Larry and Kyler have the the closest relationship, just because Kyler is. I mean, he's he's almost twenty years younger than him. He's, there's just a different generation gap there, and I think that again, it's it's June. I I think that it would be in our best interest if Larry announced what he was doing, more than likely retiring. And I think that that kind of hangs over the team, and I don't think that's what Larry intends. But I also think that you know, if he was going to retire publicly. The, the time has kind of passed, and now it's just kind of this weird stigma right now. But Kyler is embraced by, I would say, 90% of the fan base. And, again, he is he's not old school. He's, he's new school, and that makes some people uncomfortable. Certainly doesn't make Alpha uncomfortable. Kyler just wants to win, and this franchise is desperate for a winner. So I'm, I don't care how they do it. I, I just, I'm down for whatever that looks like, good or bad. I think that's a great insight. And that will also wrap it up for us here on the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Uh, we'll be back here with the second show later this week. We're recording this on a uh, Friday, uh, kind of late in the afternoon. So if any of this information is outdated, uh, then it would have happened over the weekend. Figured it would be best to post on a Monday. Um, so we'll be back at least with upcoming information. If Julio Jones signs with a team, we'll break that down. We'll also check out uh, Cliff Kingsbury popping on to a podcast with Peter Schrager and uh, Sean McVay. Uh, he's a friend of Sean McVay. And some interesting comments that came up about that. We'll be dissecting all of that upcoming on the ROTB pod. Thanks again for tuning in. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at ROTB pod, as well as with me at Blake Murphy 7 on Twitter and my co-host John at Johnny Venerable. As always, you can follow us uh, wherever podcasts are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, places like Himalaya, or um, even places uh, like revengeofthebirds.com where you can find all the rest of our content. Thanks again for tuning in. Go Cardinals. We'll see you back later this week.